Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello everybody, we're back again, it's the 4th Italian Football Podcast, feels like we've not been away, I don't even know if I said the name of the podcast properly, but here we are, I'm Connor Clancy, I'm joined by Kev Pogzelski, Kev, how are you keeping? Yeah, not too bad, tired, Thursday, nearly at the weekend, football starts again. Yeah, I was going to ask, this week... And last week to an extent because of the Champions League. The last three weeks, I'd say. Kind of feels like that period of post-lockdown football where we seemed to be seeing each other's faces every other day. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit um, at the start of the season as well. Mm. I think as soon as you get the European fixtures sort of coming and filling the uh, calendar as well, it makes uh, trying to find some time to yourself a little bit difficult. Oh, it's massively difficult, right? Because what this podcast will go out on in the wee hours of Friday morning, probably it'll probably be up about three o'clock in the morning. And then, I mean, three o'clock Saturday afternoon, sorry, I was back. <laughs> so it's not yeah. got a long shelf life, this one. But here we are. We'll keep it brief. There's no game this week because there's no Vito Doria and... I didn't want to draft anyone else in for a midweek round that we're not going to take too much of a look at. Why are you celebrating? Why are you happy that Vito's not here? Um, I'm not a big fan of the game, obviously. Oh, I thought I'd win you around to it, to be honest, Kev, because you seem to be giving it a bit more... I am. Um, you've been showing a bit more want to win in, in recent weeks and dare I, I say months. I always want to win. It's one of my very many flaws. All right. Well, speak. Kev, should we just start talking about the Serie A so we can yeah, knock this on the head? 
Um, obviously, there. Oh, do you know what? When we came on, I forgot that there weren't ten games played. But then I saw the fixture list and thought, obviously, it's Serie A in twenty twenty one. So obviously, there were only nine games played because of another COVID. Could we call it a scandal? I mean, Torino did, couldn't travel to to Rome to play Lazio. We've been here before. Torino were denied permission to travel by their local ASL, the health authority. But of course, Legasaria, knowing this was coming, decided to not call off the game. So Lazio and the referees showed up to the stadium. Surprise, surprise, Torino didn't show up because they're all tucked up in bed 600 kilometers away. Um, so the game didn't go ahead. Uh, that's, and it, that's, the sc- that's, that's the scandalous part. It's that common sense <laughs> does not prevail that they just say, stay at home, lads. Yeah, you know, don't come in, don't have your test, don't go and sit on the bench, don't go wandering around the Olympico for forty-five minutes. It's, you know, it's it's very very difficult. It's very very different to when you've gone out on a Saturday night, you've had a skin full, you're playing a side on a Sunday morning. You know, anybody who's played Sunday morning league, this team are falling apart. You know, you're halfway through the season. They haven't turned up for their last two or three games but the league insists on you getting up at 8am traveling to the game and then you go home and you know to sleep the rest of your hangover off um i'm sure none of the lazio players had hangovers but it's still a scandal they're even well, they, they the could have because they knew they were going to the stadium for no reason so they could have had a, a night on it the night before um restrictions in place obviously but We've kind of got to talk about that, don't we? Because it was an absolute... like We're four minutes in, but it was a fucking farce. We, we saw this earlier this season. Napoli couldn't travel to Juve. So the game... The same thing happened. Juve were given a 3-0 walkover. Napoli got a point deduction. Napoli appealed it, appealed it, appealed it, and appealed it. And eventually, they decided that to overturn the decision because it was scandalous in the first place. And... Now the game is being replayed who knows when because it's set for St. Patrick's Day, the 17th of March. And De Laurentiis doesn't want it then because Napoli have other difficult games that week. But they, they could have just saved themselves a lot of embarrassment, Serie A, because it's gonna, we're going to follow the same path. Torino will appeal, appeal, appeal. And either way, it's a scandal because if it's overturned, what was the point in this whole ordeal in the first place? And if it's not overturned, how can you overturn one and not overturn the other? It's it's unbelievable, Kev. I don't know if you have any thoughts on this other than the fact that it's stupid. No, you know, I'd just be repeating what I probably said when we had the the uh, Napoli Juventus issue. It's stupid. It's hmm. a polite word for it. There was football. Thankfully, there were nine games. Some of them better than others. I always want to start with this game when it happens. I didn't watch it this week because there were so many games on at the same time. But Kev, you watched the Derby della Lanterna between Genoa and Sampdoria. Finished 1-1, but seems as though, based on the report we had on the site from Zuhail, that Sam kind of got away with one. Yeah, Genoa, I think, have been improving in recent weeks. Obviously, they, they, they sort of... Climb themselves away from immediate danger um, in the relegation places. I, I, the quote I saw on, uh, I say quote, the tweet I saw um, 
was that uh, I think it was the, the the Genoa derby, always a shit game played in front of one of the best atmospheres. <laughs> yeah. Now, now we've got just a shit game. But actually, the game wasn't as dire as that um, tweet would suggest. And it was probably more even. Um, some of the games in the last couple of years, <laughs> you know, neither side have been flying, but one has, has generally been doing significantly better than the other. And... Um, yeah, the the UK broadcast they called uh, Tonelli's header. Um, oh, I think it was like a, a you know a power a soaring header. I think they called it or a soaring mm. leap. Now, anybody that watched it will see that he jumps too early. He's on his way down. Two general players nowhere near him, so the ball hits him. He's on his way down. Like loops in. <laughs> Anything I'm calling a soaring header is when the player manages to leap so high that he meets the ball almost with his head above where the ball is, or mm. it goes directly powerfully in from the ball. So I don't know if I'd quite class it as a soaring header, but yeah, awful Genoa defending really allowed them to, to equalise. Textbook soaring header is whatever. When, when Bruno Alves meets a goal kick from the opposing team because he jumps to a height where he could probably land on the crossbar if it was near him. It's it's crazy, the height he gets. But yeah, I know what you mean. I only saw it from afar, that Tonelli goal. It was like on a, on a screen across the room that wasn't very clear for me to see. And it looked like a good header, but I'll bow to you because I didn't pay much attention because I was watching the, the Atalanta game at this time. I don't, I don't think it was a bad header. It's just, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a soaring header. Uh, okay look words are important and we might actually talk about some some very nicely written words at some point in this podcast but Inter went to Parma on Thursday night and you would expect that to go a certain way I mean the results certainly did but this was a performance where Parma actually put it up to Inter I was quite impressed all things considered but they're six points clear now Kev Inter yeah, Palmer showed quite a bit of grit and they determination did, didn't they? And, 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 and attacking. I kind of thought they'd go into their shell a little and maybe defend quite deep. Um, but maybe they've realised that that hasn't been working for them, so they might as well you know, spend the rest of the season just kind of going for it. Um, Do you know why that was? Because they played Jan Caramo and they played Dennis Mann. They didn't have Gervinho on the pitch. Uh, okay, I was because I was watching this while I was watching something else. And I was I was trying to look out first, kind of who was on the pitch. Um, sometimes the way they sort of burst across the pitch, if you like, going left to right, Caramel and Giovinio have a sort of similar mm. uh, stance about them. But in Inter, for unlike the probably the last couple of weeks, was the first time where they didn't look as assured as they. They had. There's been games where they haven't quite taken the lead too early, but you've always thought a win's coming. And they, they looked a little shaky at, at, at the end. I don't know if you saw uh, Hakimi chasing a ball down towards the end and he sort of shepherded the player and ball towards the touchline. Then Antonio Conte grabs his yeah. head and sort yeah. of shakes his head. And you, think, you know, that, that's, you know, it's, it's visibly meant a lot to them to get over the line after the sort of last 10 minutes where wondered if Parma might just do it well they've come through some really tough fixtures 
lately. I mean, they've played both Lazio and Milan very, very recently, and they've got Atalanta next. So this was a game where they could have quite easily taken their eye off the ball, but they didn't. And Alexis Sanchez stepped up. He scored two goals. One of them barely crossed the line, but it, it apparently it did. The The goal line technology teased that it was going to show the the angle but then the image froze and it never did so the the conspiracy theorists will be out about that one no doubt but this just shows what a team inter have alexis sanchez is it's a surprise that he scores you know because it's usually lautaro or lukaku but sanchez on this occasion yeah he's done he's done really well um i think anyway since since joining inter considering the sort of the pelters he got, uh, sort of the latter part of his career in in the UK. Um, he has that. He probably has the movement that other players his age don't have, uh, and probably you, unless you watch him inside the stadium. And I think I'm guilty of this because I've not seen him play live for for Inter. You don't see what he brings to the team. Um, you know, just when he gets a goal or a couple of goals, probably just um, brings home how good it is to have him as a reserve. Because, you know, let's face it, he is a reserve behind mm. Lukaku and Lataro. Um, But you should be able to play him against sides that are struggling for their Serie A survival. And certainly if they, if he's helped by a very weak hand of Sepe. I think that's harsh. To, to I think that's harsh. I think if, if there's someone with any sp- speed, they clear it. But it's Galliolo, so Yeah, I don't know. I think... I think because Alexis didn't strike it particularly well, it was on his weaker foot. I think that's why I expect Sepe to get a stronger hand to it. Where were you two years ago, Kev, when I was crying out for you to join me in criticising Louis Giuseppe every week, but you were too busy with Robin Olsen. Yeah, I was about to say, that's where I was. So I was <laughs> criticising Robin Olsen. But now I'm fully on board Team Sepe and you're you're coming at him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defend him there on that one in particular. But Inter are six points clear because Milan dropped points again. And I mean, they should have dropped more points than they did. They drew 1-1 with Udinese at home. And really they should have lost because they only leveled through a penalty that they won after the five additional minutes had been played. And I only say that for a specific reason, which is so often in Serie A, and you saw it tonight actually as well, a team will be losing by one goal. And if there are three minutes added on, the official will blow his whistle at... 92-52. 92-52. For what reason? I don't know, but it happens every week without fail. It happened at the Tardini this evening where Parma were on the attack and it was blown up six seconds early at 54. Milan were allowed to play on and I think this is correct that Milan were allowed to play on. It's the other instances that I have a problem with, but my God, a ball into the box and Jens Strigger Larsson for a reason that I'm not sure even he will know jumped up with his arm held fully above his head. This sounds like I'm being dramatic and describing a still, but he jumped up and like did his best windmill impression to slap the ball when it was at its furthest point above his head. 
And Kev, I cannot for the life of me understand what on earth was going through the man's head. No, I, I know there's a, there's, you know, in the modern age, any sort of contact players kind of exaggerate that, that, that they've that they had contact. I don't even, I'm not even convinced really that he got any more than a brush of Liao's arm on maybe the small of his back. I don't think, I, you know, there wasn't even a, you know, because you know, particularly when uh, free kicks or corners are coming in, you've got one player maybe backing in mm. and then a defender. So you put your hand out just to sort of warn him you're there because you don't want to get your, your toes tread on. You know, it's not going to put you out the next game, but I'll tell you what, it's bloody painful when somebody treads on your toes in football boots, particularly the ones that are made of virtually nothing these days. Mm. And um, so he sort of throws himself up in the air. But it was like you say, he's he's gone... Oh, it was kind of, it's kind of like, oh, look at Mira. But then it's almost, if, if you watch it, uh, it probably doesn't do him any favours when you get to the real slow-mos. You watch him almost just instinctively, and because it happens so quickly, you say it's instinctively, that he suddenly, something clicks in his brain that thinks he, he must touch the ball to, to really show the ref that he's been fouled. So he almost hyperextends his wrist or his arm just to make that faintest little bit of contact because the ball didn't move a great deal and I don't I don't you know <laughs> again so he's playing in the modern era not an era you know I grew up in but they're not training this you know not you know he just no. picks it up from watching people and uh, you know I, we had a little chat didn't we on, on Twitter about it because I would have been livid you know I, as a, as a supporter when players do that on the attack, you know, try and over-exaggerate the touch of a defender on them in the box. And even if the ball breaks loose and, a, you know, another player follows up and scores and my team is winning, I am still spend at least half of my energy celebrating a goal, being angry at the person <laughs> that sort of went down for no reason. It's, it's bizarre, but it's like the whole... It was a terrible game. You know, we're talking about terrible games when we took... So I spoke about the the, the derby in general. This was a terrible game for most of the game. Milan looked even worse than Inter when I said they didn't look assured. Milan looked lost at times, really did look lost. You thought, particularly if they'd lost the game, you thought this is going to be the one that's going to. They're going to. I'm, I'm not finished talking about the start. penalty. I'm not. I'm not oh, happy yeah. for us to okay. move on. Well, one thing on the penalty which you <laughs> said about the uh, about the minutes, I I I thought. And correct me if I'm wrong, because I was watching the Genoa derby, although I think it had finished by this point, that the penalty was awarded within the 95, and it was just that it took so long for the VAR that Kessie didn't step up until 90 plus 7. I think it was awarded, like, to be honest, I wasn't really paying that much attention to it, but um, I think it was awarded within about 10 seconds after. I think it was 95.04 or something, but like I say, that's not my complaint. My complaint is, is the other... Um, but Kev, I I think it's the most stupid penalty concession I've ever seen, ever. And I've watched a lot of football matches, but I don't think I can ever remember a, a moment like this. I don't know if you saw on the the site Ben Hughes grabbed the one of the news articles from who was it? Who was it? It was Noitink from Udinese. I said that he's it, it gave him a sleepless night. 
because it was such a ridiculous ending to the game. He did then go on to like defend his teammate and say, oh, look, it's not nice for him. But you you joked that you'd be going for Roy Keane. And I quoted back at you a quote from Roy Keane when he was talking about David De Gea saying, I'd be going in throwing punches. You don't want to say yeah. that, but you would be going absolutely nuts, wouldn't you? Um, they'd be holding me back. My teammates <laughs> would be holding me back, and um, I don't think uh, I don't think I, I tell you what we when I played when I was playing in my younger days, um, we look we had like a uh, one of the FA Cup preliminary games, and our goalkeeper did something horrific just before half time, and I, I was I was raging. He, he took his gloves off and told our manager to to apologise. Otherwise, he wasn't going to come out for the other for, for for the second half. But everybody else was so apoplectic with rage at him as well that the manager just said, "Told the reserve goalkeeper to get warmed up," and told, told him he wasn't coming out. And anyway, he sort of he relented and ended up having to come out uh, for the sec- for the second half with me after I'd been calling him some very very uh, rude things. Oh my god! <laughs> Football, right? it's a strange old game. Yeah, strange old game. Um, Milan were without Zlatan. You seem to think that that's why they were bad, but he was busy. Oh, I don't think it's it's that they were bad. It was just I saying they looked lost. It was when their play was breaking up, and you saw players looking for other players. And obviously, Zlatan is injured because uh, he got injured against Roma. Nothing to do with going to Sam Remo. No, of course not, no. Um, but when we're talking, you know, there was a lot, you know, there was a lot of stuff on social media about what Zatan said regarding athletes, main athletes, not becoming politicians. And there was a very good piece written uh, that you kind of, you commented. Jonathan Liu wrote it. Jonathan Liu, excellent piece. And where he kind of spoke about this, individual streak if you like of, of Zlatan that he isn't necessarily always a, uh, a not necessarily a team player but you know for the common common cause and it's just one of those times where maybe you want uh, a Zlatan to be standing on the sidelines you know or you know in the changing room and you know and it was it was that it felt like it was one of those nights where they could probably have done with just a, a reassuring voice from Mr. Ibrahimovic, and he was nowhere to be seen. I need to, I need to highlight a couple of the lines in that mm. article because what? Look, he's an excellent writer. That's not a secret. But some of the lines in that, the opening line is Zlatan Ibrahimovic believes you should stick to what you're good at, which is presumably why he's been talking about himself again. In that same paragraph, he says. Perhaps the warmest compliment you can pay Ibrahimovic as a footballer is that there are times when he is genuinely almost as good as he says he is. He goes on to describe Zlatan Ibrahimovic as the dickhead's dickhead before wrapping things up very, very nicely again by talking about how Ibrahimovic basically sees this new era which LeBron is curiously part of, despite his advancing years, of, of professionals like Marcus Rashford, who who have elevated themselves to a status 
beyond just being a footballer because of what they do and that Ibrahimovic almost sees this as a missed opportunity for himself and there's a little bit of um, envy creeping in there, which I just thought it was a beautifully considered and a perfectly written piece. Yeah, my my, my favourite, which was what I tweeted out, was the... Um, uh, he, so Ibrahimovic, could have chosen to take up a more prominent role in the fight against everything that we've got at the moment. Uh, but to do so would have required him to be part of something larger and more important than himself. It is not entirely clear if he believes such a thing exists. Phenomenal. <laughs> Which, yeah, brilliant, brilliant piece. Absolutely. If you've not if you've not read it, even if you like Ibrahimovic, which I think we both do. I, I yeah. like Ibrahimovic, you like Ibrahimovic, and it's an incredible read, like really good. Um the time flies reading and it's not overly long either, so you'll get through it very quickly. Um whatever you're doing while you're making a cup of tea let the tea brew and have a read because it's well worth it but next you've gone in harsh with the description of Spezia Juve Juve Spezia rather because Juve won comfortably as far as the scoreline suggests but really Spezia put it up to them for most of the game I thought they did quite well and it was only and I can't believe I'm saying this Federico Bernardeschi who, who came on to change the game for the good for Juve. He grabbed, I think it was two assists, and I, I thought Spezia were quite good for the most part. I mean, Cristiano Ronaldo was on a one-man mission to deprive Dejan Kulusevski of an assist because he just kept missing chances. But yeah, you can't complain. You can't really argue that Juve didn't deserve to win. But Spezia, not all that bad. We're just going to keep moving through these because I don't really want to spend too much longer on this podcast, to be honest with you, because of the, the nature of it lasting one day. But Napoli, Sassuolo. Sassuolo, Napoli was fun, Kev. 3-3. Three, three. How many penalties? I think there were three. And both teams scored a decisive goal with what they thought was the last minute of the match, basically. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, three extremely soft penalties. And oh, if come you watch on. the last one, it had, a, it, had, it, had, no, it had a distinct air of the referee evening things up. Um, they called it a push on the broadcast, but I don't think there was much of a push on Di Lorenzo. And then Manolas, I suppose it's one of the ones where I'd like to see a bit of common sense at times with the penalties. Like if, if the ball is flying into row Z and it hits somebody's elbow, then, you know, just acknowledge that it wasn't going on target. And the player was largely running out, running out of play towards the, um, the touchline. And Manolas just kind of stumbles as he's trying to get back. But the play goes down too easy. It's, I suppose they're modern penalties, but but still soft. Is that not on Manolas? Like he knows the player's going nowhere. Use your brain. Oh, I'd be uh, I'd uh, be Roy Keane in that situation. To be honest, he's going nowhere. Well, I might. Yeah, I might as well. To be honest, I've not got I've not got the longest fuse. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. I just felt. I think it was probably because it almost. It was just because it looked so obvious that the ref was looking for something to <laughs> to even, even things up. Even things up. Um, <laughs> and you know it's happening. I, oddly enough, I, I've this is there's a goal here I haven't seen because I think I missed the uh, I missed what put Sassola ahead, which was an own goal. But anyway, not that that matters. Listeners, I can't remember it now. I I can't remember two of the goals, and that's one of them. Uh, I can't remember De Lorenzo's either, but there we go. Too much happened in sh- a short space of time. When there's so many games on at the same time like that, and Napoli was just before the big flurry of games, it is difficult sometimes, but there we go. You you want to talk about Zielinski? Why well, he scored another good goal. Polish um, bias. Sorry? It's your Polish bias. Polish bias. Wow, well, mate. <laughs> Maybe a little, but um, the more I well, the more I watch him, um, he he doesn't get enough goals to be compared to Hamsik, but he averages about six at six a season, which isn't a bad return for a for a midfielder. But he's been there since twenty sixteen, and I just wonder not that maybe Hamsik stayed at Napoli because that was kind of the level that he was at. Because I think he probably could have gone to a slightly larger club. But I just wonder if uh, if Napoli will get that longevity out of Zielinski because I'm not sure. There was rumours when he left Empoli and went to Napoli that um, a much different Liverpool side then were looking at him. Um, and I don't know, it's just, I do like him. I rate him. I think he's a nice, tidy player, pops out of a, pops out of a goal and an assist. Um, but just wonder if he can, if, if it's worth him looking above Napoli or whether he's, we're going to see him there and see out maybe a decade. Do you know he's only 26? Well, exactly. So he's got he's got his peak to really to hit. Um, I think he's a lovely player. I, I do. I was 
100% joking when I said it was Polish bias creeping in. Mm. I think he's a, a really nice player, and I think he was almost a victim to how good Napoli's front six were, particularly under Maurizio Sarri, because he probably should have played a little bit more than he did then, but I quite like him. I quite like him. Um, go. Yeah, I think, I think what hasn't helped him is that over the years he's he's kind of been moved between a, um, a kind of deeper position and a more offensive position and never really sort of settled in, you know, whereas mm. Hamsik, Ham, well, I'm now sat here stuck in comparisons with Hamsik, but he always kind of played in an offensive <laughs> offensive role. Um, Zielinski's never really been given a set position to try and almost make his own. Atalanta Crotone was weird. It was quite... You saw both sides of Atalanta in, in either half. The first half, they were dreadful. Robin Gosens opened the scoring before Simi Nwankwa levelled midway through the half. And then in the second half, four, what I believe were all left-footed goals from Palomino Muriel, Ilicic and Miranchuk secured a 5-1 win. And I just thought, a game with five goals, five goal scorers from, from one team and, and none of them with the right foot, that can't have happened too many times in in football. It's quite strange, isn't it? Um, now you say it, yeah, it makes me think whether it's happened. Um, yeah, no idea. I can't think of any off the top of my head where that's where it's happened. It's but, it, about the game. I mean, I I don't know, Kev. Not many players are left footed, right? That's kind of the beauty of them. You, you see them, and they're a little bit rare, but. The game was strange because I said at half time that Atalanta were rubbish, but you wouldn't be surprised if they lost three one or scored six goals. <laughs> and it was the latter, not quite six, but that they hit five. And it was just one of those games, but it kind of showed that they are capable of scoring. It was Crotone, but then at the other end, the Simi's goal. I don't know what happened between Romero and Froiler, who had kind of been swapping positions all game, and that just seemed to to bite them a little bit there. Yeah, it was hilarious. Obviously, you 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 can speak more about how you know bad they were first half because actually the highlights made them look very very good, um, particularly Ilicic, who on the basis of that made my player of the week. But that, no, he didn't. Um, did he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, it's already oh. written now, so it's in. But um, <laughs> to be honest, actually, in comparison to what else went round, he had a hand in three goals. Hmm. But um, yeah, getting onto the uh, Crotone goal, I did sort of smile a little bit to myself as I was sat there watching the highlights because I thought this is why, if for any reason Gasparini had any thoughts of going to Madrid and trying to sort of stay solid for the first 45 and then nick the goals they needed in the second. He should completely just ignore any sort of dreams of using that as a uh, as a tactic because it, it was one of those where the players almost both went to sort of pass the ball at the same time and then neither, wanted, neither took the decision to either tell the other that they were getting it. And then before mm. you knew it, the ball was through and a lovely finish from Simi. But um, that will happen in Madrid. I'm very confident that something like that will happen that they will concede 
Yeah, and I mean, it's it's one thing doing that against, with all due respect, Krypton. It's quite another doing it against Karim Benzema, who's one of the most somehow, and I usually hate when people say this word for players who play for clubs like Real Madrid, but Karim Benzema is somehow underrated. He's so good. He does everything. But because he played with Cristiano for so long, I think he's kind of slipped under the radar of a lot of people who you know, in the modern era, support Cristiano Ronaldo or Lionel Messi. Um, but yeah, I take your point. I do think something like that will happen because it's Atalanta, isn't it? Um, yeah. Cagliari got another big win. Kev, they beat Bologna 1-0, two from two for Semplici. And just like that, they're out of the relegation zone. Yeah, again, based on the highlights, they look like they had a really good sort of start to the game and had a really good performance overall. Um, for you know, The last time I think I watched them in full was at home to Benevento. They looked sluggish. They looked sort of devoid of ideas going forward. Even maybe, you know, look, lacking a bit of appetite. Um, and that win that they had at uh, the weekend seems to have sort of given them a bit of, uh, a bit of zest. Mm. And absolutely right. You've just got the problem is, is obviously it looks great now, but Torino, I've got those games in hand. But yeah, but games in hand that the bottom are very different to games in hand at the top. You know, Torino have to play Sassuolo and Lazio. They're <laughs> not easy games. No, I think um, I think it dep- yeah, I suppose it depends on how how well the teams have done around you. Almost, kind of, at the time at which you get that game in hand, because even if somebody's a couple of you know six points ahead of you, this suddenly they lose, and then you've got your game in hand on a Wednesday. Um, they've lost at the weekend, then it can kind of give you that that sort of incentive to to go and win. So we'll have to see when they do come around and they do get rescheduled. I'm just thinking, if I were to ask you, I'm not expecting you to know this. How many games do teams who finish third from bottom usually win in a season? What would you say? Uh, I'd go four. Right, well, last season it was nine. The season before it was ten. The season before that it was nine. And the season before that it was eight. So between eight and ten, we'll say. Palmer have is won two. The, sorry, is that all the games? Com- that's the three teams combined. No, 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 no. It's the team who finished third from bottom. So the last relegated okay. team. How many games they win in a season? Um, it just came into my head there when I was looking at Parma having won two games, which I look at every week, and it still just it hits me every time I see that statistic. But um, a couple of other games left. Fiorentina one, Roma two. Roma fans won't be happy that we left them this long but I mean obviously they won because they played against a team who aren't very good and that's just what Roma do Leonardo Spinazzola had an eventful game he scored a nice goal at one end then scored a, an own goal at the other end and then it took a Amadou Diawara late on uh, on a Rick Karsdorp assist to I nearly said that with an Italian accent there assist but it was a Karsdorp assist to to win the game for Roma, don't need to talk about that, really, do? 
Oh, no, okay. No, it, was, it was a lovely goal. No, it was a lovely goal by Spinazzola. The funniest bit was Diawala looked distraught. You know, because I think even before they'd gone to VAR, he thought it'd been to. He, I think he thought he, he he assumed he was offside. He looked distraught. I don't think he celebrated the goal at all because he just sort of. Turned, I thought he was going to cry. It was like, oh, it was, it was bizarre. It was very strange. While we're on this, we should say that technically recording started recording on the fourth of March is now the fifth. Fourth um, of March, obviously marking the third anniversary of Davide Stories untimely passing on Fiorentina's trip to Udine when he basically passed away in, in his sleep tragically which is still it's hard to believe that that has happened three years on um, Vieri Capretta did a really nice video for us at the time which is um, still out there if, if you're so inclined to go back and watch it but still crazy crazy to think that that's happened it's, it's never not going to be um, the last game not in, in order, but the last game that we've got to mention was that Benevento hosted Verona and they basically didn't show up. Verona won 3 0. And Kevin Lasagna scored. Kev, been cooking that one up for a while. <laughs> well done. It's usually me with the crap jokes. Uh, yeah, I thought I'd give you a week off. Yeah, it was a good, it was a good finish, though. Um, I was quite impressed by the own goal. I thought that was quite good. Yeah. I don't. I didn't even write down who scored it. Just I didn't great, see it. Talk me through it. I know who uh, scored uh, it. It was damn Fulon, but I didn't see it. Uh, it was a cross. Uh, a cross came in. It, I suppose it came in quite low, so it was. It was probably dropping towards about waist height, as he, kind of threw himself at it to either head it directly back where it was coming from, so for a throw in, or to try and get it at an angle to go out towards you know into play. And instead, it came off completely the opposite side of his face, and just beat the beat his own goalkeeper from about I don't know oh, what we got about five yards. It was just uh, the goal side of the penalty spot. Yeah, it's quite impressive. Five yards is just goal side of the penalty spot. Well, it's penalty spot six yards out. Yeah, the penalty spot is yards. six yards out. Oh, the six-yard box is six yards. Six-yard box. It's 12 <laughs> yards, isn't it, for a penalty? Yeah. Oh, so it's about 10 yards, 11 yards. Yeah, okay, so it's about... <laughs> well, I tell you what, let's say it's let's say it's seven yards, because I reckon he was closer to the penalty area. And uh, <laughs> I'm just... The penalty area is 18 yards. Oh, the, the six-yard... <laughs> oh, I don't know. Oh, I Take told you it's been a long week. <laughs> Oh, goodbye, Kev. <laughs> yeah, uh, look, we'll, we'll wrap it up there. We're going to be back before you know it. Although I was just thinking before we came on, we'll talk about this off air, but Inter-Atalanta is Monday night, so a Sunday night recording probably doesn't make too much sense, so we'll sort that out. But um, yeah, we'll probably be back with you guys on Tuesday because we're here today. <laughs> There's a big game on Monday night, so we tend to push things back in that case. Hopefully, Miss Doria will be back to join us and we can make Kev suffer through the game at the end. But until then, goodbye from me and... Goodbye from me. You've not got <laughs> another language, no? Oh, no. I've not got the time for other languages. <laughs> <laughs> Speak to you soon.
Crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.